How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? CuriosityStream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, get the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com slash gift. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Jeff Pelletier. The purpose of our podcast is a simple question. Why is Israel important? Over the next many episodes, my partner Neil Johnson and I will seek to answer this question. There are just barely over 14 million descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the world today, and about five and a half million of them live in Israel. The rest are scattered across and among the nations. For the sake of our podcast, Israel is both a country and a people. We've been on a journey with you to discover together why Israel and the Middle East are so important. And at the top of the show, I say that for our purposes, Israel is both a people and a place. This idea is important to the past, present, and future of all Jewish, Christian, Muslim, Hindu, atheist, Baha'i, whatever you can think of, humankind, that Israel is both a place and a people, and it's important to everyone. So the journey we're involved, uh, the journey we're on involves five people, Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and Jesus. God has a specific plan for the world that is focused on the people and the place called Israel. So far, we've learned about Adam, Noah, and Abraham, and we've seen that these people, their descendants, and that place are extremely important to God. God has made specific promises to Adam and Noah and Abraham, and he's getting ready to begin to carry that out. And the plan and its execution begin with Moses. So, Neil, we've learned that God tells Abraham that the people he is creating through him and Isaac, Abraham and Isaac, will be in slavery for 400 years in Egypt. And that slavery comes about through Jacob and through Joseph and his brothers. Yeah? So, so Joseph becomes uh, a great leader in the house of, of, uh, of Pharaoh in Egypt after being sold into slavery by his brothers. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're jealous of him. Jealous, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, because dad loves him best. Right? Dad loves him best yeah. and makes no bones about it. So <laughs> we have a bit of a problem. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we have more of a problem because ultimately, as you're going to say... Uh, they're in slavery in Egypt. Yeah, yeah they're in slavery. And, and how they get there is interesting. Uh, you know, Joseph's story is amazing, and we highly recommend that you read that in Genesis. Very important. Uh, a great famine occurs in the Middle East, and God uses uh, that famine to cause Jacob 
and his sons to relocate to Egypt because that's where the food is. Well, the food is there because Joseph uh, had a dream and told it to Pharaoh and prepared the nation with enough food so that they could, so that so that there would be enough food for everybody. So Joseph and uh, his brother uh, Jacob and his sons had to go there because that's where the food was. And, and it's kind of an interesting coincidence that that worked out that way, right? Uh, but they had to go to Egypt in order to be saved from the drought and the famine. And from there, the generations remain, the 12 tribes, and they multiply a lot. And uh, the Pharaoh says, hey, I got a labor force here, and he uses them as slaves. And that's, why, that's how they become slaves, right? Right. So Moses, to get to Moses, he's a descendant of one of those or some of those slaves. Because 400 years, how many generations is that? Like 10? Right. Well, so, it depends on how you number it. Right. But yeah, he is from the tribe of Levi. Mm-hmm. Levi. Levi. Yeah. yeah. And he becomes, uh, which ultimately becomes, uh, through his brother Aaron, the Levitical priesthood. There you go. And, and he finds himself, Moses does, uh, finds himself in Pharaoh's household. Right. How does that happen? Yeah, exactly. So, we're we're trying to do give a a good enough summary of our good friend uh, Moses mm. to lead up to why is Israel important. So, mm. Moshe, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, our teacher, mm. uh, was uh, the last uh, great uh, covenantal prophet we're going to talk about before we talk about Jesus. And Jesus referenced him as being crucially important. Mm-hmm. So. To answer the question, how does that happen? Well, the simple answer is, well, we really don't know. We have, as I tell you, a post-it note on it. Mm-hmm. But basically it says mm-hmm. Pharaoh's daughter was down in the reeds bathing and she sees this baby. And there is Miriam there. At least that's what legend says. The Bible itself does not say Miriam, but Miriam is present throughout this whole Moses saga. She Mm. is one of the three, which is also incredibly significant. Mm. Miriam, Miriam associated with water in a number of places Mm. here because she's standing by the Nile that saves the Savior, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, she says to Pharaoh's daughter, uh, uh, who's down there taking a bath or whatever she's doing, uh, uh, this is a, you know, I've got a, a Hebrew woman who can nurse this baby for you if you'd like. So she saves Moses. Miriam saves Moses. So how do they know it's a Hebrew boy? That's exactly right. How do they know? Do Mm. they know it by fact that he was circumcised? Well, seemingly not. Mm. Uh, How would you hide that circumcision all Mm. his life Mm. in the house of uh, Pharaoh 1? I mean, Mm. we don't know. We also know later without getting off on these tangents too much here because Moses is so much information, but his Mm. own sons were not circumcised, Mm. and later we can read where God's very angry, and his non-Jewish wife, Zipporah, saves him and does the circumcisions herself. So, I mean, it's a complex, complicated Mm. issue. Mm -hmm. But somehow, Mm. somehow, that's Mm. kind of unstated, she looks, circumcision or otherwise, and knows Mm. he's a Hebrew boy, one of the Hebrews. Now, a lot's not said. It's post-it notes all the way through the Bible, and maybe what's not recorded is Miriam. Uh, says he's 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 a Hebrew boy. She sees that that uh, the Pharaoh's daughter's already got compassion on it. We don't know. But so we we have this situation where Moses is saved by water 
right? Water. He's safe from death because they're going to kill the babies, right? They, 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 the baby boys. That's exactly right. This yeah. is one of the evolutions that eventually happened where... Isn't there three incidences in the Bible where this happened? That's exactly right. Yeah. And even going to Egypt, it's back to the future mm-hmm. because Abraham went mm-hmm. to went to Egypt mm-hmm. on a famine in mm-hmm. danger. Uh, Jesus ultimately goes down to Egypt and comes back out. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. all the parallels that we have here are, mm-hmm. are enormous. But mm-hmm. in this particular case, this is what happened that gets Moshe, mm-hmm. which even his name has, you know, they, they wonder what where's the origin of his mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. The simple and quick answer is means he's drawn out of water. Well, that's because they make some connection to Hebrew way, but, you know, you can take a number of Egyptian names and it sounds a lot more like Moshe than drawn from water. But nonetheless, he, from that point forward, grows up in this empire uh, of Egypt. Yeah. What the Bible doesn't tell us is all the intrigue. Mm-hmm. You have to read extra biblical writings like history books and others to know that it's like any empire. There's a lot of intrigue that mm-hmm. goes on. And he grows up and gets educated mm-hmm. in the arts, in the military, in logistics, mm-hmm. in, in fighting and mm-hmm. warfare. And we see that later in his life uh, when we get to that point where he ultimately leads these astronomical proportion of people, the Israelites, against all odds, who in those short generations, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. which makes no sense why they had to be slaves. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. another post-it note in the Bible. They, mm-hmm. they went down there and were enslaved. Mm-hmm. And that's what some people say, well, how could they have had so many people so fast? I mean, we read about, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of people who ultimately leave. So he becomes the chosen vessel ultimately from that early beginning of being a Babel put away on the Nile River mm-hmm. that Miriam saves, that mm-hmm. Pharaoh's daughter just happens to see and have compassion and mm-hmm. brings him into the court of at that time, Pharaoh. Mm. Wow. Uh, so, he, he, he raised, he's like you said, he's raised up in Pharaoh's household. He's given the, uh, the rights of a family member. That's correct. Right? And he he's really good at what he does. He's very talented, very skilled, very and mature, and so forth. And so he's recognized because he's in that in the household. He's, he gets to a pretty high place. He right? gets to a very high place. And, yeah. and again, the extra biblical writings talk about his campaigns mm. that Moses led. Mm-hmm. One of the most famous being down into the land of Cush to subjugate the uh, the uprisings and stuff down there mm-hmm. in, in the southern mm-hmm. uh, Egyptian border. Mm. Uh, and reading the Bible, you'd never get that. But mm. he has to be a man of this kind of capability mm-hmm. or he would have never had the training mm-hmm. for God to ultimately use for the grand undertaking that we're wow. about to talk about briefly. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. So something happens that uh, changes Moses' station in Pharaoh's household. What, what happens? Well, again, and I'm going to keep referring to it as our post-it note. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. uh, uh, the, the Bible's full of pericopes, short, witty sayings yep. in the New Testament, or these post-it notes. It doesn't elaborate, frustratingly so, too often. Mm. But we know that he does rise to uh, a, a position of some authority, mm-hmm. for sure, mm-hmm. in the upper echelons of this powerful kingdom. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day it says uh, Moses again is out and he sees an Egyptian uh, beating his brethren. Well, again, th- the question isn't answered. How does he know it's his brethren? How would he know? So it's, it would be a Hebrew 
person. It would be a slave, and he's a Hebrew. called his brethren in the text. Yeah, exactly. And how does Moses know? Exactly. That? That's okay. that's kind of the point. Yeah, of yeah, there's yeah. so much left yeah. out that we have to yeah. draw these things yeah. from because yeah. the Bible narrative is very yeah. fast-paced and yeah. very terse, and and yeah. it moves on, it moves on, mm. it moves on, mm. and it assumes that you know a great many mm. things. Mm. But uh, so he kills it, and what we don't know is that intrigue we talked about before. Well. Any peripheral reading of any history and empires, uh, we even get the word it's Byzantine, meaning full of intrigue and, and uh, corridors, if you will, of mm. power. Mm. Uh, for whatever reason, which doesn't also make sense, because he is a powerful Egyptian. He could probably have the authority to kill whomsoever he wanted with any whim. I don't know this. Mm-hmm. But something was wrong with that act, that effort, something. And people have surmised what it could be, an affront to Pharaoh. Pharaoh was looking for a way to get rid of Moshe because he was getting too famous, too powerful. We don't know. But he had to leave, and he does. He, he, he runs for he, the hills. He heads west yeah, in yeah, a hurry. Yeah. East, but I'm... Right, right. <laughs> allegorically speaking, yes, yes. heading west. Heading west <laughs> yeah. to the westward yeah. folks. Yeah. yeah. So he, 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 he goes in an eastern direction. Yes, he does. To go to the west. And <laughs> everybody follows that, I'm sure. I'm just kidding about no, that. No, I get it. Yeah. I get it. So uh, he's, 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 on, he's in the desert for a long period of time. It's, yes, it doesn't say is. how long, but for a long period of time. Yes, he is. And, and uh, he's getting, like, thirsty and, you know, tired. Yes, that's exactly right. And he gets to a place where there's water. He gets to a well. Yeah, he gets to a water place. And uh, what happens? Well, you know, whenever you read the Bible, one of the things that will help is if you say, where have I read a story that sounds like this before? And we already have the well episodes many times before. We have the well episode with Eliezer finding Rebecca at the well. We have uh, uh, Abraham's... uh, partial wife, concubine, I don't know how we actually define her, Hagar, at the well. And so we have more well imagery in there. Interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah, there's all kinds of parallels you can always take. Water Water is involved. Water, and Jesus talks about water a lot, Mm -hmm. and so on. And Mm -hmm. Miriam is is Mm. associated Mm -hmm. with water for other things coming Mm -hmm. up yet, but her Mm -hmm. first thing, she saved him at the water. Mm -hmm. And so Moses is out there, and he saves uh, Zipporah. Mm -hmm. Jethro is... Her dad, his mm-hmm. ultimate father-in-law, mm-hmm. he's, he saves her. Now, again, this tells you, listen, these were rough and tumble days, right? And there's mm-hmm. men out there. Mm-hmm. And one man is able to protect a lone, seemingly ostensibly beautiful woman mm-hmm. at the well mm-hmm. from harassment. Mm-hmm. Moses had to have been trained. In right. other words, you right. can deduct that. Yeah. Again, it doesn't say any yeah. of this. It's post-it mm-hmm. notes. But mm-hmm. he had to have had this military training. He had to have been somebody that could stand up to a bunch of guys uh, flirting, picking on who knows what degree a woman and have those men, not mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. but men, cater to him. I mm-hmm. mean, do what he says. He protected her. It was quite amazing. There's more than meets the eye there. So it's possible yeah. that Moses looks like Charlton Heston. Well, <laughs> and scared them away with his physical, yeah. But, uh, I mean, that's the stuff yeah. you have to put yeah. in your back right. of your right. mind, that this is not just some meek, milquetoast fellow. This yes. was a guy with training. Uh, not to get off on King David, but the same thing. These yeah. fellas knew what it took to get things done physically, militarily. Mm-hmm. 
And that is our picture of Moses. And so now he's out there, he meets his future wife, and he's in what you would call nowhere in Midian, which is also extremely important for location. Where was that? Where is he now? What does that mean? So Moses is uh, biding his time, working the business, uh, the flocks, etc., etc., etc. Correct. And and something happens to a- him. Absolutely. And and it's from the mountain. Yeah, he sees this famous image of the burning bush, whatever that is. Mm. That this bush is burning and sees it's not f- consumed. A fire. He's, is he on the mountain when he sees it? It's it's hard to know if he's. Uh, I, he just it doesn't really say exactly okay. what where these places are okay. precisely. Okay. You have to draw inferences. Okay. But. Uh, what we do know is he sees this manifestation that draws his curiosity. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, like a fire. Is it a real fire? We don't know. Mm-hmm. It's in a bush. Is it a real bush that's around a bush? We don't know. But it's not consumed, and he's fascinated, mm-hmm. and he draws close to say, what is this thing? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So something happens that Moses draws close in his mm-hmm. old age, basically. Yeah, yeah. And that is when the Lord appears to him and tells him it, that, you know, I am the Lord and starts giving Moses his marching directions that we all become more familiar with from Cecil B. DeMille, as you said, uh, uh, the deliverance of the Israelites from their period of uh, slavery in Egypt. So uh, this is a kind of an interesting time lag, I think, but I want your thoughts on this. So the last time God speaks is to Abraham before this, right? Yeah. yeah. We don't we don't hear from him or about him until well no, hang on, hang on, that's not true because he he gives Jacob a dream, right? Yeah. And he gives Joseph a dream, a couple dreams. Yeah. So he's speaking. He's speaking through those dreams. Right. So it, I was I was thinking that he might not have been around but no, he's how long ago? That's still 400 years, and, though, isn't it? Yeah, and, and to Jacob. I mean, yeah. again, we talked about this before. What exactly is speaking? What mm-hmm. exactly is man? We know mm-hmm. he manifested in the flesh to Abraham because yeah. it said he did. Yeah, he did. Um, but there are dreams. There were uh, to, to Jacob, to mm-hmm. Joseph, mm-hmm. And, and, and all of this. Uh, other things they're silent on. But here we have this this apparition of some type where yeah. the voice comes out yeah. of this thing. Yeah, yeah, the bush it comes out of the bush. Right, yeah. and he yeah. tells him who I am and yeah. what you must do, mm. and this is holy ground, and take off your shoes and mm. so on, mm-hmm. and he gets, as you say, his marching orders. Mm. So, okay, so now that that's helpful. So, I'm thinking about how Moses was raised mm-hmm. right now. Sure. He, he, he was raised with Egyptian gods. Right. Right? Right. So, that whole thing. Yeah. Right, yeah, uh, and so uh, I, I'm just speculating. This is just me thinking out loud. What must it? What must it have been like for Moses, who is, you know, worshiping these statues, icons, whatever they are, because that's what you did, and all of a sudden, bam, the real one shows up. The real, the real God shows up. Right, exactly, and uh, not only that, but Jethro, his father-in-law, was a high priest of Midian, so he had his gods and his magic that mm-hmm. he could perform. Mm-hmm. And magic it was, Jeff, mm-hmm. because the other prophets we read about, uh, they knew the secrets of Babylon and so on we can read about. Well, these Egyptians, they had secrets. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're about to see where God sends him back to Pharaoh to confront him to bring that very people out to a very defined land, a very defined place, not just any place, not just save the people, but the people and put them here. Mm. And the 
At Henson, we're looking forward to the holidays, and that means more time in the kitchen. Now, imagine your trusty kitchen knife had a wobbly handle. You'd be nervous. Well, the same is true in shaving. Most razors on the market today don't support the blades well enough, allowing them to flex and bend. This is a source of razor burn. At Henson, we used our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to solve this problem, supporting the blade so you can use it confidently. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. Ah, the sizzle of McDonald's sausage. It's enough to make you crave your favorite breakfasts. Enough to head over to McDonald's. Enough to make you really wish this commercial were scratch and sniff. And if you're a sausage person, now get two satisfyingly savory sausage McGriddles, sausage biscuits, or sausage burritos for just $3.33. Or mix and match. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Confrontation is, hey, these fellows that will ultimately encounter in the story, we may not talk about them, but Balaam the magician, the Gentile yeah. bragging prophet about all his works and his sons, Jonas and Jambres, who could do things, they mimicked and mirrored the miracles of the serpent. And uh, I forget two others, whether it was a blood and the lice or the frogs or some such. They were able to conjure those to a degree themselves. Mm-hmm. So they were not without resource. But you're right. He's confronted now with this this unbelievable presence in this burning bush. Mm -hmm. And it had to have been such that it would have shaken him that he realized this is something I'm obeying this voice, this person. So help me with geography. Where where is this mountain? Yeah. So when he finally goes to the mountain Mm -hmm. to get what we say on Sinai, Mm -hmm. there's a number of events that happen before that. Mm -hmm. Here we are in Midian Mm -hmm. when he sees uh, the the burning bush. Mm -hmm. And this is where the Lord tells him, go get your people, bring them back. And he has this argument. And finally, over some time, we see the 10 plagues that we read about. Mm -hmm. And and again, your Cecil Mm -hmm. B. DeMille movie, Mm -hmm. he goes through the Red Sea, all of which is a fascinating story. Mm -hmm. Again, all associated with Miriam and water. Mm -hmm. She's one of the three people, which, Mm -hmm. again, I find that fascinating. Mm -hmm. Uh, But here we are at this place, where this this event, this burning bush. God identifies in the burning bush, and he gives Moses your marching orders. Go get your people and bring them back through the wilderness. And it ultimately takes 40 years for a number of reasons. But where is it? Midian is in today. Saudi Arabia. It's Mm. northern Saudi Arabia. Mm. That is part of the land that, that, uh, uh, depending on where and when God promises the land, he promises it to Israel. Mm -hmm. This is also where uh, uh, Paul says uh, uh, Mount Sinai, where he finally, God gives more instruction and more revelation. Mm -hmm. That's what the whole Bible's about, is adding on to whatever you already know. Uh, he says it's in Arabia. Now, mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia, Saudi is just the name of the ruling right, family, right. but they, it's always been called Arabia. Mm-hmm. But there's all kinds of things in Arabia that give uh, clues that there were these people there. The, the Israelites were there. There's carvings. There's Paleo-Hebrew mm-hmm. script. There mm-hmm. are these rocks at Horeb mm-hmm. and Sinai mm-hmm. that fit the biblical narrative. There is old ancient structures of altars and pillars and so on that are in various states of disrepair that would fit this timeline Mm. in the south of israel in arabia midian Mm -hmm. so again from here the lord says kind of go up at a northwestern angle to where the pharaohs would have been up there along the nile and confront them and bring your people out and that's where we are 
basically next after all those events and confrontations yep. happen is yep. now the people, two million people anyway, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Various figures are led out of the slavery that's been become horrific. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me why the Bible doesn't say why they had to do that. Mm-hmm. If I was writing it, it would be different. Mm-hmm. But they were in slavery, and now because of the confrontation, uh, the ten plagues that we're all f- familiar with. They come out, they cross the Red Sea miraculously, and they are in Midian. Mm. They are in Midian. And that's where they end up, in Midian. And that's part of their journey uh, where they go. Yeah, Mm -hmm. And and we read about 40 years wandering. Mm -hmm. And they weren't wandering. God was leading them. Yes. But we call it the wandering. Yes. And they were uh, basically, we're we're trying to get through Moses here, but the story is basically he said, okay, uh, Joshua, Caleb, among the 10 other spies, go spy out the land. And Mm -hmm. they came back with what's called the evil report, meaning Mm -hmm. 10 of them said we can't do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're, They're too big in the land, which is a whole separate issue which we've talked about mm-hmm. before. Who were those giants? What mm-hmm. were they? The Bible mm-hmm. does say who they are, but it's very terse again. Mm-hmm. But uh, they came back, and because they gave what's called the evil report, meaning they doubted they could take it, God said, take it, go spy it out, and they came back and said, we can't take it. And so that generation died. But the important part about that is two things. One, all of this has one storyline. It is all about redemption. Mm -hmm. Everything else is just details added on to the story. The story is, I will redeem you from the very first event in the garden, Mm -hmm. all the way up until our day is all a progressive revelation of redemption. Now these folks, the Israelites, they Mm -hmm. spent 40 years, that generation who believed the evil report, they wanted to go back into slavery. Mm -hmm. And God said, I'm so upset, I'm going to let you go. And then we read a whole bunch of stuff about their 40-year wandering till that whole generation died out. But the important part is, one was that, keep in mind, the overarching theme of this whole story, the Bible from A to B, front to back, beginning to end, is redemption. Mm -hmm. In our story now, they've embarked and they're in 40 years of a supernaturally protected environment. It's a supernatural protective environment. We see all kinds of events where their shoes don't grow old. Caleb says, I'm as strong now in my old age as when I was a youth. They don't need glasses. They don't need any. I mean, it's a, it's a picture of a mm. supernaturally protected mm. God environment. Mm that he keeps Israel in for 40 years. Mm. One of the things that I observe about the, the journey around the block, let's call it that, the yeah. wandering, right? right. Uh, you know, he gives them the law during this time, right? Yes, he does. He gives them the tabernacle during this time. Yes, he does. Right? And all of this, to me, seems uh, also preparation. It's all preparation. Before they enter the land. It's all preparation, and it's all symbolic of what was in heaven. The mm-hmm. tabernacle was in mm-hmm. heaven. Uh, uh, everything is what they see here is what's already in heaven. In other words, we can read at the end of the book, mm-hmm. uh, for instance, that John, and we can see it in Ezekiel too, mm-hmm. they saw this four-faced creature. Mm-hmm. Well, we see around the tabernacle, it's it's really important to know that the, the tribes were arranged around the tabernacle, and you had the same banner of the leaders of the three tribes on the four sides that make mm-hmm. the 12, mm-hmm. of the, the man, the eagle, the lion, and the ox. And that's exactly what they saw in heaven mm-hmm. as, the, as this, these creatures that stood around the throne. So mm-hmm. everything is an interplay. This, this 40 years is a picture of a, of a protected environment mm-hmm. by God. We have once where the 
Israelites complain about what they have to eat yeah. and drink. And yeah. God says, okay. And it says God sent snakes. But he didn't send snakes. He just wanted them to see, look what happens when I take you out of the protective environment. In mm. other words, the desert is full of snakes and scorpions, whether they were there or not. But they never experienced any of it. Now, this is supernatural again. Getting mm. all the harm, mm. the poison, mm. the biting mm. away. Mm. But as soon as they complained, he said, okay, you want me to step back? I'll step back. And he did. He stepped back is all. And the minute they said, we repent, we're sorry, we, we murmured, we complained, he said, okay, raise up Nahash, the serpent, uh, Nahashtan, and I will. Uh, you'll look on that and you'll be safe. And eventually that takes on an iconic. But the thing is, it's a picture type of here you are when you're in me, you're protected. You mm. want me to step back? Okay, I'll mm. step back and look what happens. Mm. And it's a picture for all kinds of types through history. You want God in your life, in your country, in whatever. Okay, you don't? Okay, I'll step back and you can see when the snakes come. Yeah. yeah. So it's a picture type. Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. So so God is uh, He's giving them the law. He's giving them the tabernacle. He's giving them his presence. He's teaching them dependence on him. He's teaching them to uh, to live in accordance with his will, right? And he's teaching all of this great stuff to a, to a millions of people at one time, and and then Moses knows it's time to enter the land, right? And they get to that place, yes, exactly, where they're where they're going to go into the land. That's exactly right. And so much happened up there. I mean, we think of them wandering all the time, but they really only moved a few times in yeah, the 40 years. Yeah. Very few Say times. Say that again. I don't think a lot of people know that. Well, I, I, I can tell you, I've got it right here in front of me. It, mm. it, it shows that there were 42 encampments in the desert. So 42 times they moved, but 14 times they moved before the spies went in to spy the land. Mm. Uh, uh, eight of them took place in the 40th year. So if you take away that 22, that leaves 28 times they moved during 38 years. So they weren't moving all the time. They were in camp for great periods of time. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just good to know that, that mm-hmm. you know, when they says they were led by the, by the cloud and by the fire, which mm-hmm. is symbolic as well, it wasn't like they were constantly moving. Mm-hmm. They spent great periods, sometimes mm-hmm. camp for, in, mm-hmm. you know, a great period of time. Mm-hmm. But eventually what happens again is Miriam dies, and what do we have a record of when Miriam dies? Well, we have a record that they they don't have any water, which mm. is fascinating. Mm. It's called Miriam's Well. So for mm. 40 years or so, Miriam, because of Miriam, they have water. Mm. Miriam dies, they don't have water. Wow. God, I know. it's quite, it's wow. What are the parallels? What's mm-hmm. going on here with mm-hmm. this? So the fact is, is God says to Moses, go and speak to the rock. Okay, well, Moses at one time earlier in the story had gone and struck the rock and it gushed forth. It just had to have been just huge millions of gallons of water for all those people. Mm-hmm. And they never thirsted again till Miriam dies. And, that, and then we read again, all of a sudden, we have no water. And God says to Moses, go speak to the rock. Well, Moses doesn't speak to the rock. He hits it again. And again, you and I have discussed this. Well, for that, God held him accountable. But yeah, why? Seemingly, yeah. he'd done a lot of worse things than mm-hmm. than doing what worked in the past, hitting yeah. the rock yeah. and getting mad at the people and yeah. saying, you're rebellious and yeah. all of this. But God said, nope, yeah. because you did that, Moses. Yeah. I mean, here's yeah. his chief guy. Yeah the best he says you won't get to take them into the promised land Mm. it's going to be 
Joshua who ultimately leads them. But I'm going to let you see it from Mount Nebo, and you can climb to the top, and there you will die, mm. but uh, you're going to look upon the land. So that's kind of a really quick for Moshe Rabbeinu, one of the greatest prophets, or mm. the greatest mm. prophet, depending, mm. uh, whom Jesus referred to for all of his authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and of course, we didn't touch on all the other things, the festivals and the sacrificial system and all of these things that God gave over all these yeah. years and elaborated yeah. and gave more and more and more, mm-hmm. that the Israelites now had this basically knowledge and understanding as they're about to go into the land but without Moses. Well, I think uh, when we talk about Jesus, I think uh, when we talk about his life, we're going to get into uh, the fuller understanding of those feasts. You know, I think because uh, Jesus really, really helps us to, to grasp that. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it, it's uh, kind of an amazing thing. Uh, and I want to bring this up for our listeners that, uh, you know, you mentioned it doesn't make sense. How come Mo- Moses didn't get to go in just because he struck a rock? And, you know, you said he did worse things. And I'm just saying that one of those worst things was when he came down the mountain with the tablets and he saw the golden calf and he got real upset, right? And he smashed the, command, the Ten Commandments of God. He smashed them uh, on the ground. And that was a pretty bad thing to do with the Holy Scripture, right? You would think that would be, you know, upsetting to some, you know, to God. And he didn't, he, he didn't ban him for that. You know, and right. that was a worse thing, I would say. Right. So it's it's paradoxical and it's difficult to understand, and it's something we just don't know. Yeah, and it's stuff we read right past, and that's yeah. always our point. Yes, yeah. we try to point out certain things that we're not claiming we know the ultimate answer, but don't just read past these things. In other words, this great Moses could do some things wrong for which he was also held mm-hmm. accountable, mm-hmm. and so these things are serious. They're not cavalier, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the thing to bear in mind, I think, among a great many others. But, yeah, so now we have covered, I think, Jeff, uh, hopefully, I quickly, think so. I think uh, so. the Mosaic Covenant. Yeah. And it's important yeah. because yeah. Uh, I just want to leave, and, and, and then you can take it where you want uh, at the conclusion here is, all these covenants built upon each other. Mm-hmm. We had our first uh, Adamic covenant, mm-hmm. and, and then we got a little more meat on the bones, and we had our Noahide covenant, mm-hmm. and then we put a lot of meat on the bones with the Abrahamic covenant, and now we've even gone into detail, the, mm-hmm. the, this whole sacrificial system of our future temple, mm-hmm. and, and, and the festivals to, to be picture types, and mm-hmm. all of these 613 laws and mitzvot that Jesus identified with entirely by wearing the seat and mm-hmm. having the tassels on his coat and, mm-hmm. and, and saying, that's me identifying with those yeah. laws. Wow. So all these covenants yeah. build, 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 yeah. build, yeah. and they crescendo. And what yeah. we're going to try to do the same fast thing, mm-hmm. I guess we're going to be like the Bible. We're putting post-it notes <laughs> on our show. Uh, and, and that is going to be ultimately now what we're going to call or what is called the new the new covenant, covenant which yeah. does not mean I've yeah. done away with no, the others. No, it's the fulfillment. It, that's the yeah, so. yeah, and that's going to be absolutely fun and wonderful for the Church of Jesus to get to, to understand. Uh, which I think you know we've done a, a, a long trip here, a long journey uh, through these through these uh, covenants, and then Moses here. Uh, but we're not done with that that stuff. We're going to bring it all up again in ways that Christians can really appreciate it more. What doesn't do us any good to go down into, as you say, the 613 
laws or whatever it is. Uh, it, but it is good for us to know that two laws fulfill those 613 and how that all works and what does it mean, which we're going to really get into because I think the, the church, the Christian church, uh, lacks a lot of understanding. But what, what we've tried to do is give you guys uh, listening uh, an understanding of the old covenant because it's not, as Neil said, it's not done away with. It's fulfilled. And uh, here we are with Moses, and uh, uh, we're going to go from, we're not going to talk about David, we're going to talk about Jesus next. And, and when we talk about Jesus, uh, it's, it's gonna, we're going to spend a long time because from Jesus to the very end is the very, I mean, that's the whole rest of the show. If, not the show, I mean, but the, the whole rest of unwritten history. And uh, we have a lot to learn, a lot to discuss, uh, and we hope that uh, you stay tuned for that. Because we're gonna our next shows as we start talking about Jesus, and we we'll talk about Moses again, and we'll talk about Abraham again, and we'll talk about Adam again, and we'll talk about Noah again, because it's all it all works together. It all works together. So so we've we've been laboring in this time uh, to prepare that to to lead you to the place where you are now, so that as a Christian, as you listen to this, you can start to really really appreciate. What exactly God is doing from the past, from the beginning, to the end. And now we begin that process of talking about Jesus, what he did, and then as we do that, we go to the present day, and it all starts to become very, very, very relevant. And uh, we hope you enjoy it and participate with us as we do that. So thanks for listening, folks, and uh, we'll see you next time. This has been a great discussion for this episode of Israel, Why is the Middle East Important? I look forward to how this continues to unfold. As you can tell, Neil and I enjoy talking about the subject as it helps us to get to the root of the matter about God and why Israel and the Middle East are so important. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at our home at Spreaker.com. Israel, why is the Middle East important? That's Spreaker.com. Israel, why is the Middle East important? And you can find us on Facebook using that same title. And you can email us at why is the Middle East important at gmail.com. That's why is the Middle East important at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. If you like what you hear, please invite your friends to the conversation. One thing Neil and I always say to each other is, I don't know, because the only way we know is to not know. Once you have it all figured out, you stop learning. And that state of mind is what helps us to learn and grow. We invite you into that journey with us. From Neil Johnson and me, Jeff Pelletier, Shalom, and see you next time. I'm not
Unbound has connected people like you with families worldwide on their self-directed paths out of poverty. A brighter future is possible for these families when we all walk together. Sponsor a child today and you'll help a family take the first steps on their path. Change their future in just one click. Start walking with your new friend today at unbound.org walk.